1 Corinthians chapter 12. We will be looking at verses 20 through 31. And you will all be pondering the great question. How do you get the resurrection message out of this? It's in the Greek, my beloved. Very simple. He's dealing with the unity of the body of Christ. You only get that through what? The resurrection. Uh, We don't need to look backwards. We need to look forwards. I would rather look at what we have now. The tomb is empty. I've been there. I've seen the tomb. I've got some big old slab of rock there by Kisses. That's where he used to lay. And I keep thinking, (laughs) that's creepy. And how many thousand years you've been doing that? Ooh, okay. Um, but uh, when I look at this text, I don't know of a, a greater, more important text to be taught on Resurrection Sunday. Sorry. I will deal with the resurrection in chapter 15. How's that? And that shouldn't be too long. Okay. Let's read the scriptures. And ask God to show us, beginning in verse 20 through the end of chapter. But now there are many members, but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body that seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we deem less honorable On these we bestow more abundant honor, and on our less presentable members become more presentable, whereas our more presentable members have no need of it. But God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to the member which is lacked, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all members suffer. With it, if one member is honored, all members rejoice with it. Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. And God has pointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, various kinds of tongues. All are not apostles, are they? All are not prophets, are they? All are not teachers, are they? All are not workers of miracles, are they? All do not have the gifts of healings, do they? All do not speak in tongues, do they? All do not interpret, do they? But earnestly desire the greater gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. Father, help us to hear. Father, help us to have ears to know what you're doing. And Father, as there is an overwhelming ignorance of spiritual gifts in the body of Christ this day, Father, as we draw this and understand the more excellent way that is stated before us, that Father, we would lean heavily on this. And Father, I just pray that you help us to see. Give us eyes, spiritual eyes, spiritual hearts, spiritual ears, that what your word gives us, we draw deeply to, that we we may stand in this perverse age. To your glory and praise. Amen. We've been looking at 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 what I call the unity, diversity, sovereignty, and the harmony of the church. 
All right? This church in Corinth had allowed the world to come in in such a degree that there was no longer any unity and diversity. People wanted to be out front. I wanted the special gifts, the showy gifts. Therefore, they were denying the sovereignty of God, and therefore the church stood with no harmony. It looked just like the United Nations. There's nothing united about it. The church today in America, the church today in Castle Rock looks identical. Looks absolutely identical. Okay? There is no harmony between the church. There isn't any. Why? Well, if God has already given us the unity and empowered it to the person of the Holy Spirit, then what happened? Well, our ego stepped up and we don't want diversity. Well, but what about God's sovereignty? Well, you know, God is sovereign. I'll give him that. On certain days he's sovereign. On other days he's not. Really? Really? But, well, he is sovereign that people get saved when he wants them saved, but the church is this other thing. Really? Is that what we're saying? No, that is what we're saying. When the world looks at the church today, what does it see? And you know what? I have had the privilege to travel outside of this country and be involved in the church in other countries. And it is not like that anywhere else. The only place that I see a crippled church is in America. That's the only place. I have been in Israel and seen the church. It is united. And everybody looks at it and says it's united. I have been in England and see a very small flame, and yet it is very united. I have been in Russia and see a very small flame, and it is growing, and the people stand in awe. They believe in Russia that the church, the the Protestants are a cult, and yet they are absolutely united. How's come? They understand that the unity comes from where? From God. It's already been given. Please. You are united and you maintain it in the bonds of peace. All right. I think the simplicity of the understanding is simple. And it's stated in chapter 1 or chapter 12, verse 1. I do not want you to be unaware. I do not want you to be ignorant of what? Spiritual gifts. Okay. Let me ask you a question. The church today, is it ignorant? What you know of the church today, is it ignorant about spiritual gifts? Absolutely. You know what? I have taught in a different language on spiritual gifts, and we're all on the same page. I had to go through an interpreter. How's come? We're on the same page. Because I could take these brothers in Russia. I have met with brothers from Ghana. I have met with brothers in South Africa. I have met with brothers and sisters in England and in Israel. I have met with these people. And they all say, but what does the Bible say? And you know what happened in America? There's a famine in the land and the people don't even know it. We own reams and reams and reams of Bibles and no one knows what is in it. I met with the president of a seminary here in Colorado, and he said that he is in awe. He says, I have men coming. This is undergraduate study. Please understand this. We're talking master's and doctrinal programs. And I have men coming in wanting to be in the ministry and are clueless about the Bible. And I just smiled at him and laughed. You know me. You're the one sending the pastors into the churches to teach these young men to prepare them for the ministry. 
Okay? What does the Bible say? Why is it there's so much confusion on spiritual gifts? We have been through this, okay, as a church. And I have shown you very simplicity, simply, the gifts and how they look and what they do. Now listen, if I didn't have any problem figuring it out, why does the rest of us? Why does not the church look at it? And I, and I showed you the text. Well, they say that the sign gives cease. It's not biblical. Okay? But I can tell you this. I haven't seen it. I have not. I went through and showed you miracles and healings. Okay? And I showed you both from a believer standpoint and an unbeliever standpoint. And they're not happening. Sorry. Okay? Not out of 1.2 million cases could we validate one healing. Something's wrong. So what is it? Well, let me ask you a question. Do we need healings? Do do we have to have a human body raised from the dead to prove our Bible? Because if we do, we've got one. He's not there. He's not there. All right, do you need more than that? I don't need more than that. I've been over there. I see what they do. They worship anything and everything. I mean, if they're going to willing to line up and kiss this rock where he laid, I know we ain't got the body. Why? Because I know what they'd be doing with that body. I mean, the Vatican has a headless body, and they say, that's John the Baptist. I think it's Paul. <coughs> Sorry. I, you know what I'm trying to get at? We were created to worship. And you know what? We worship anything. Canaries, trees, cars, jobs, women, men, magazines, movie stars. We worship. We were created to worship. So what has happened? Same thing that's happened to the church in Corinth. Chapter 1 says you are lacking in no gift. Okay? I want you to understand the church in Corinth is a church. It's not a cult. It's not a group of people who want to be like Jesus. It is a church. But what happened is they started taking the stuff of the world in and they started bringing it in and mixing it with what they've already seen. All right? They had perverted the relationship between a man and a woman. Okay? To the point where they believed some people, if you were single, you're more spiritual than a married person. And then the married people, well, I ain't going to let you do that. I believe I'm more spiritual because I'm married. So they perverted that. They started taking each other to court, suing each other. All right? They actually exalted a man who took his father's wife. Why? That's freedom in Christ. What have we done in the church today? The love feast had become a drunken orgy. And they took the Lord's table and it was a time to start the bottoms up. We're just going to drink ourselves into a stupor and we'll be more spiritual. Okay? Uh, There is a church in Denver right now called Beer and Bibles. You guys laugh. It's Southern Baptist based. And they said, I can reach the people because we can sit down and have a beer and remember, we're not legalistic. You know what? I don't care if you sit down and have a beer, but I got news for you. When you have your second one, you and the Bible are not going to get along. 
I read a book that is very popular today that everybody keeps telling me, you've got to read this, you'll understand the love of God and all the rest of it. And the guy states in the middle of his book, the, his best Bible studies is when he had a fifth of Jack Daniels in the Bible and he could get it better. Well, that ought to be an encouraging book. Woohoo! And you know what? The church just stands there and smiles. Oh, that sounds spiritual. But we have to meet them where they're at. Well, I thought we were supposed to be separate. I thought we were supposed to look different. I thought we were supposed to be unified. I thought we were going to do it in diversity and they would understand His sovereignty. And then in doing that, we would have this harmony and the world would be attracted to it or the world would hate us. Okay? I look at the church in America today. I meet with pastors on a regular basis to get together and pray. And I sit down and I confronted these guys. Uh, you've never seen anything quite like it, really. Um, we, we have 54 evangelical churches in Castle Rock right now. This place is almost like the New Jerusalem. But I ask each of these preachers, who's getting saved? I'm talking about life-saving transformations. I'm not talking about liver quiver. I'm not talking about, I said a prayer and I cried and me and Jesus are buds now. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a person who is on this path headed for hell and all of a sudden, turned around and now is headed for heaven. And everybody knows there's been a change. How many in your churches have you reached? You know what they said? Zero. Nobody's getting saved. Why? Because we don't show unity, we don't show diversity, we don't understand God's sovereignty, and therefore we have no harmony. And if we don't have those things, what do we offer the lost people? And that's why you can have beers and Bibles. Why? Well, I'll just, I'll be non-confrontive. Let's sit down over a cold one and look at the Bible together. What do you think? Great idea. Perfect. That's the church. We go back to our text now, and we looked at verses 21 through 27, and we see proper relationships. Okay? Why? In the church, there is diversity. All right? But there is unity. And we've already looked at that. In the church, there are those people who have gifts that are so vital that the exterior gifts have to protect it. But that gift is vital. And what happens is man's ego creeps in, just slides right under the door, and we want to be out front. We believe that today that the speaking gifts are the important gifts. And we will exalt those that we believe are the good speakers. And they will write books on how to and how not to. And we all say, but I'm reading such and such books, and I'm reading this person's book, and this. And listen, I got nothing wrong with reading books. But if you don't know what the Bible says, how do you know if the person's telling you it's true? I, you know, um, I was just glancing at a book just a moment ago, uh, and a little earlier my wife had it, and it says, Nowhere in the Bible is the church called the Bride of Christ. And when you read that, you go through it and you say, Well, you know, and he gives this verse and this text and this text and this text, and everybody goes, Well, he's right. Really? Very cursorily, I just gave, here's what John the Baptist said about it, here's what Jesus said about it, here's what this, and all the bride of Christ. I didn't even get into Ephesians, I didn't get into any other stuff. And so, what are you saying? You know, the guy makes a statement, and it's written in a book, so it's got to be right, right? Now, what does the Bible say? Okay, well, you know, the Bible doesn't say Trinity. No, it doesn't. But it teaches the Trinity, 
And we just use that word for what? The Bible doesn't teach the rapture. Right. It doesn't. That word's not in there. But the word that is used is a word that you get out of the Latin for rape. Okay? And this snatching up is going to be a very violent act. Wouldn't you say? This catching up. Whatever it is. And and I'm not here to teach you eschatology today. I'm here to say... When, when I watch Christians, you know, I remember uh, that one movie came out, Michael, what's his, yeah, Michael was the name of it. He was an angel. Um, uh, what's his name? The Scientology guy. Yeah, John Travolta. I went and seen it. It was a funny movie. Ha <laughs> ha. It was hilarious. Okay. I had people come to me and say, did you know that angels like sugar? And I said, what? Well, they do. They like sugar. Why? Well, I've seen this movie. Well, you're telling me the angels like to smoke cigarettes, too, because I think he smoked a lot of cigarettes. Well, yeah, and then we won't go with the stuff at the hotel room and all the rest. You see what I'm trying to get at? And all of a sudden, you've got this Bible study. This is what's going on, and, and all the rest of it. And, I, and you know what? If I understand my relationship with Christ, I understand that God has gifted me and put me in the church for such a time as this, this point, this place, for the edification of the saints. I can strengthen you. Okay, but you know that your gift, no matter what it is, no matter your age, no matter your social background, no matter what you're capable of, I don't care what your educational credentials are, I don't care where you are in society, I don't care about what, well, you know, I'm divorced or I'm single or I'm this or I'm that. God has equipped you and supernaturally enabled you for right now. In the body of Christ. You can't be saved and not have a ministry. It's impossible. And people think that you got to go out and go to school or do this and do that before you can get into ministry are foolish. And they're playing on the arrogance of humanity. If you're not serving where you are, you will never go anywhere else and serve. It's that simple. The gifting comes from who? God. For His purpose, His calling, His wantings. So that the body of Christ is this massive portrait of who? Jesus Christ. And when Christ is seen, the world is reached. And if the world ain't being reached, then what do you got? You got a picture that the world looks at and can't understand. Alright? He uses the illustration of the human body because the human body has... Listen, you can have the most excellent skin in the world, but if you ain't got bones, what do you got? A bag. That's all you got. What does it do? Nothing. That's all you have. But who wants to be the bones? Nobody sees the bones. I used to be an electrician. And it used to bug me. That all of my beautiful work would be done and covered with drywall and everybody would look at the drywall and the painting and all the rest of it. But you know what? If I do my job wrong, nobody's ever going to see the drywall. Right? I, I mean, you don't understand. Think about what happens in your home when the electricity goes off. What happens to your food? Better eat it before it rots. Right? Is that true? But you don't see the wires. But by golly, you do it wrong. Everybody knows you got sparks and all kinds of weird stuff. Right? But you better do it right. You better do it right. It takes many in the body of Christ. There are speaking gifts and serving gifts. 
All right? Ask yourself a simple question. In the body of Christ, which will there be more of? Serving gifts or speaking gifts? Serving. Why do we want more speaking gifts then? Please don't tell me that we don't because I've been and looked at churches. You have a pastor for old people. You have a pastor for young people. You have a pastor for uh, infants. You have a pastor for music. You have a pastor for this. You have a pastor for that. Why? Yeah, they're out front. I want to do that. Why do people go into the pulpit? Too many people are going to the pulpit as a vocation. It's a calling. People have asked me, would you have your sons? Do you try to push your son? No, I would discourage my sons forever doing this for a living. I would discourage every human being forever doing this. But if God has called you and is pushing you there, go ahead, argue with him. I tried. (laughs) We looked at it and it says, you know what? In these proper relationships... You should have the people who are out front should be busy making sure that we stop and honor those who don't get the honor. Do we do that? It takes many. You know why? What is chapter 13? That's that one that we quote when we're getting ready to get married. Here, read this. It ain't got nothing to do with getting married. It's got to do with the body of Christ. And and it it drives me nuts. Don't get me wrong. You're going to have to do that when you get married, guys. And I heard all the voices. But all the time it says that the man is supposed to love the woman. It never says that the woman is supposed to love the man. And, And I heard all of that. Okay, what do you do with 13 if you're a believer? It doesn't say, men, you need to be loving. No, it says if you are saved, you need to do everything through what? foundation of love all right so uh, let's get back to the text verse 25 there is no divisions in the body now i want you to stop right there go back to verse 12 the end of verse 12 and see what it says so also is who so which is it christ or the body yes all right ask yourself this question does christ show division No. And when the church gathers together, it represents who? Christ. It's almost, we have the second coming. We have the second coming. This person, Jesus, is going to come out of the clouds. I believe that. Absolutely believe that. But you know what? He's here right now. He's manifested where? In the church. He's in the church. Now, don't run out here and say, Terrence teaching heresy. He's saying Jesus already come back. No, he never left. Okay, uh, Ephesians 3 tells me what? I am indwelt by the Holy Spirit, so Christ dwells in me comforting, and God will do immeasurably more than I could ever think of. So which is it? All three. Individually and collectively. Each of you is in the body. Do you know what? Each of you is here this day, be, not because, well, you know, I'm kind of bored. I need to do something. It's snowing. No, 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 no. You're here today because God says, I want you here today. Why? You need to hear this. Why? I don't know. I don't have any idea. Why? That's how sovereign God is. There's absolutely no, no way there's an accident. It's impossible. Why? God's sovereign. And what? Everything. His purposes stand. And nothing can stop them. 
There are no schisms in the body. Look at verse 26. If one member suffers, then what? All suffer. Do you know that if you decide, you get mad at the church or somebody in the church and you leave, I'm taking my toys and going someplace else. Or I'm going to worship my way. Okay? Do you understand that you just caused a schism in the body of Christ and you have just caused the body of Christ to suffer? Did you know that? You just do it just like that. And you know what? You think that you're mad at a person, at an individual or a preacher, and the truth of the matter is you're telling God, I don't care about your plan. That's what you're telling him. And you know why? That's why you have 2 Corinthians 5.10. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says each of us will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account of what we've done in the body. Then he lays this little statement right on the end of it. Whether good or bad. Whether good or bad. One suffers, all suffer. But when one is honored, all are honored. And everybody says, well, you know, you have this ministry of reaching to the uh, Russian pastors. You're training pastors over there to handle scripture and doctrine and stuff like that. That's amazing. No, I don't. Absolutely don't. Castle Rock Baptist Church has a ministry. Let me tell you, I can be replaced. I can be replaced easily. Okay, and we've looked at this. We've looked at this in depth. I want you to get a hold of this. You can cut the hand off and the body still functions. You can shut the mouth and the body still functions. You can take the eyes and the body still functions. You can remove the feet and the body still functions. Those are the out front gifts. Get rid of the liver. What happens? It dies. The body dies. Get rid of the lungs. What happens? Body dies. But I don't want to be that when nobody sees what I do. Really? Let me tell you something. There are more vital gifts in this group that is here today than there are speaking gifts. Okay? I have seen it. My greatest teachers in my life to help me with my faith the most were the men and the women who very seldom ever said a word. They just walked. They walked. You watched their lives through heartache and sorrow and trials and tribulations, and their faith never wavered. When there was a need that had to be met, they stepped up quietly, silently, behind the scenes, met the need. I watched that over and over and over and over. I have been so blessed to watch men and women who walk with Jesus Christ and just slide right in there, take care of what the need is, and move right on to the next need. Those have had a bigger impact on me than any. And I've sat under some phenomenal teachers. I mean, some of the best expositors of the word, I have been blessed to actually sit down and eat barbecue with on occasion. That's really good for me to know that they get it all over their face just like I do. Okay? I'm like, huh, cool. Okay? But some of the greatest preachers that I have been exposed to, when you take them out from behind the pulpit, they are the most humble men that I've ever met in my life. You, You can't pry information out of them. They want to know about you. What are you doing? What's your church like? What book are you teaching? What is God showing you? But I need to know how you... You know, I remember talking to Dr. MacArthur. They hired him at Grace Community Church. 
because their prior two pastors had died of heart attacks and they were taking care of the widows and the church was about 100 people. And the reason that they hired John MacArthur was he was 29 years old. That's the reason they hired him. He can't die. And he'll tell you. And I said, well, what was your prayer? He says, I don't lose this 100 people. And I said, well, God kind of answered that, didn't he? Because he has about 16,000. Okay? But his main concern, I mean, he'll tell you, the only reason I got hired to this job is because of my chronological age. <laughs> and the church just didn't want to take care of another widow. An amazing thought. And now he is one of the greatest expositors walking the planet. He may be the greatest right now because we seem to be losing them. Okay, look how it does. Now, look, look at verse 27. I want you to look at this. Now, what does it say next? Who is he saying that to? Let me ask you a question. How does that apply to you? You know, I, I get people says, well, what do you want me to do? I don't know. Do something. Anything. Well, you know, hey, listen, if you think that I am smart enough to figure out what God has plugged you into this church, you guys have got the wrong guy. I'm supposed to be in the Word and be on my knees. Okay? I can't understand why the average Christian has, is clueless about what their spiritual gift is. There should be something that is not a talent. Okay, and you can never get tired of doing it. Okay, what's the energy source behind it? God. So when does God get tired? Just hearing us belly aches when he gets tired. But then he opens up the ground, swallows a bunch of Levites. But anyway, that's a, that's a whole different story. Okay, so if the ground swallows you up, then you'll know what happened. But um, do you see what I'm trying to get at? It says you are part of the body. Now listen, if you're not here... Who's taking your place? I already showed you. No one. No one is gifted and qualified to do what God has placed you in the body to do. And that's why you see the disunity that is in the church today. It's just not there. It's not there. I watched the, the Russian kids. Everybody keeps saying, well, you know, we've got to get a short term. We'll take our, our youth over and we'll do something with the youth. Youth, you don't want to go see these people. I guarantee it. Not when I can watch youth get up at 3 o'clock in the morning, walk to the church, and the teenagers are taking the younger kids and helping them memorize the book of Galatians before they go to school. You want to go? What? You're going to go help them? Help them do what? I mean, they get offended when we come over and say, we want to teach you how to share the gospel. Really? We need to go over and listen to them teach us how to share the gospel. Because they do it by their lives. There's a unity there. But that's the arrogance that's in the church in, in, in America today. Spiro Zodiades, he sits around and writes dictionaries. I don't know what that means. Yeah, it helps guys like me. His comment to me while I was sitting at one time, and we were talking about the charismatic movement, the experiential movement that I call it. Um, and, 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 he, and he says that the problem in the church today, not with just the experiential people, but all churches in America. He says, never in the history of the church has she been as haughty as she is in America right now. 
And I agree. I agree. We have resources. Absolutely we have resources. But if each of us understand that we are part of the body, you are a member of the body, then think about what the resurrection truly does mean to you. I was raised with Him to walk in the newness of life for the glory of God. Therefore, I was placed in this community, this congregation, for whose glory? God's glory. I was gifted and equipped by the Spirit of the living God, placed here for His glory, His empowering, His time. Why? So His purpose would stand. Okay? So the issue there in verse 27 is who? Us. So we have proper relationship. There are those gifts that are not seen that are more vital in the body of Christ, and they need to be honored more. Okay, At the Bema Seat Judgment, when the church and the Christians are given their crowns, you and I are going to stand in awe of the crowns given to who is getting them. We're going to see these people that you've never heard their names, that all they did was stay on their knees in prayer for, for pastors and, and missionaries and church planners, and all they could do was weep for lost souls, and they are going to have railroad cars full of crowns. And you're going to have guys, pastors, expositors who go up and God's going to say, good job. And that's it. Why, you had your reward. It's already here. You got it. It's done. You're going to see pastors from congregations smaller than ours who died for their faith. I I know a guy right now who uh, is in Chechnya. And he has a congregation of eight women. Do you know where Chechnya is? That's the Muslim stronghold in the lands of Russia. They are the ones who plotted the Beslan massacre. He has a church of eight women. God led him there. Why? Those eight women wanted a pastor. And they prayed and they pleaded and they begged, God, bring us a pastor. Brought him one. Brought him one. You know what the name of the church is? Church of the Eight Ladies. Okay? He's going to get a tremendous reward. Why? They already tried to kill him a handful of times. But the iman of the town says, God, your God told me to build you a church and protect you. I don't want his job. I was afraid I'd get sent to Salina, Kansas. You and I have been called to be the representation of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. And listen, I want to give you something. This here should just set you up. You should just jump up and slap somebody. You, we, as a local assembly, can and are called to manifest the fullness of the body of Christ locally. We who are gathered here right now are lacking nothing in the manifestation of Jesus Christ to our community. Hear what I said? Are you, why don't you know why excited about that? That just makes me want to go, woohoo! And everybody, cool. It's snowing. 
When we go to these big Mongami churches and we see these wonderful productions and we say, now this here is a blessed church. Do you understand that a church our size is more blessed than a large church? Because your gifting has to compensate for the lack of numbers so you have more gifts. You have more divine enabling than the average Christian because God has placed you here so that you collectively, we can come together and manifest Christ. Well, you know, we spend $12 million to do our Christmas cantata. Cool. We have live camels in the audience. So do I. Do you see what I'm trying to get at? Why do we have the mindset that says the big church is the blessed church? I can tell you why. The have and have nots. It's Easter. I need to go to sit with a bunch of people up at, where is that place? Red Rocks. Freeze your butt off to find out if the sun comes up. And you know what? I've realized that bugger comes up whether I'm awake or not. It is not dependent on me. And you know what else I've learned? I don't have to be awake when Jesus returns. When he comes back, he's going to... Excuse me, could you get up now? He'll take care of that. This church came behind in no gift, chapter 1. Each local assembly of believers is given by the Spirit of God all that is necessary to truly represent the body of Christ so that His image may be seen to that local position in the world. It's already there. The the people of Corinth needed to see the resurrected Christ and the church was planted in Corinth. The people in Thessalonica needed to see the risen Christ and the church in Thessalonica was born. The people in Philippi, the people in Antioch, the people in Jerusalem, the people all over the world need to see the manifestation of the image of Jesus Christ and God says, no problem. My called out ones, I empower them. They come together. They're united. They are diverse. They understand my sovereignty and they live in harmony and the world stands in awe of it. God manifests the total picture in the individual congregations and supplies all their needs. So that it is seen. You do not have to manufacture it. You do not have to chase it. You do. It is not talent. It is not talent. I tell people this. Listen, I grew up in my life, my character, the person that I am. I'm not a people person. I am not an extrovert. Okay? At all. On a good day, I'm not. I can walk by people and never say boo. That's the way I am. I don't talk. So what does God got me doing? I can't do this. I wouldn't do that on the top 10 million things to be when I grow up. This ain't on the list. And what has he got me doing? Because he said, you know what? You know you can't do that. So I'm going to go make you do that. And I just said, well, that ain't fair. And then you get that cricket sound. You want fair or you want grace? I'm going to go grace. Okay, good plan. Do you see what I'm trying to get at? And, And people say, well, that's crazy. You're right. Absolutely, you're right. But that's how he does it. It's. I am called, I am placed here for such a time as this to the glory and mercy of God. Period. 
And every one of you are needed in this body of people. Every single one of you. I don't care what your gift is. Okay, I'm not talking about your talents. You know, I do a lot better when I was back the guy who took care of the mechanical problems in the church. You know, like the roof needed this or the gutter needed that and electric and change light bulbs. I can do that. Why? I can just get my little key, go in, and I don't have to listen to people and take care of it. That ain't what he's got me doing. Okay, well, that's not true. Sometimes I have to do that too. Okay, I want you to understand something. You, we are the body. You, we are the unity. It takes all of us. That is the issue here. That is the issue here. And, and I, I, we need to understand that because in verse 28, he says, God has appointed where? In the church. You're here because God appointed it. Your abilities, what you do in the body of, the, of Christ is God appointed. I'm thinking that's got some importance to it. Don't you think that's kind of important? God has made us one. Sometimes we just don't like what we're doing, do we? I remember one time I had this privilege to speak at John MacArthur's church. John MacArthur's church will seat 8,000 people. Okay, I don't like talking in front of crowds. All right? And all I sat there, they said, well, we want you to come up and we want you to share. And I was sitting on the front pew and I had my hands were sweating. I, there wasn't enough deodorant on the planet Earth to help me. And I kept thinking, and I was talking to Dr. Provost. I said, somebody else got to do this. I can't do that. As soon as I stand up here and turn around, I'm going to embarrass myself. I may pee on myself. I I don't know what could happen. I mean, I could get up there and and belch or something. And hey, everybody. And this place is packed. You know what was scarier about it? It was the Shepherds Conference, so everybody there is a pastor. And you're thinking, wow, this ought to be a blast. Woohoo! And then you know there are people out there thinking, I'd like to do that. You're nuts. You're insane. And I all I could sit there, you know, Bob said, now all I need you to do is share this and this and the Antioch and that. Okay. Okay, Bob. So I'm sitting there and and I'm 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 in a state of panic. I mean, that, that is the understatement. You know, I've heard people say, I had butterflies. I had condors. <laughs> With a bunch of ravens eating at my soul. <laughs> so I, it's my turn. We would like to hear from, and I was like, oh. so I'm walking up, and there's a whole bunch of steps that you have to go up to this platform. And I'm walking up to there, and my knees are getting weak, and I'm like, I'm just going to fall, and this is going to be great. So I walk up to the pulpit. I got my head down like that. I look up. They've got really bright lights on the pulpit, and you can see the front row. Well, I know everybody on the front row, and they're friends. And it was like God says there, see? And I could just go and it was like talking to like this church, except you were all sitting on the front row. <laughs> so it wasn't no big deal. I couldn't see past, I literally couldn't see the second row. And it was like, whoa, I'm only going to talk to about 50 people. Perfect. All right, and he's done that over and over. I spoke at the church in Moscow, the, the, the Baptist church in Moscow. And that place is huge. And, and I went in and I thought, oh, my God, this is awful. Because they like to drop little notes out of the balconies in the back. And it looks like confetti falling down. And they slide these notes forward because they go, you've got to answer some questions. Okay. And so I go in there thinking, oh, my God, here it goes. It's all going to come apart at the seams. I can't do this. And sure enough, guess what? I couldn't see. I couldn't see anything. I could hear the little notes. <laughs> Sound like it's snowing in the back row. 
And God has blessed me with that. I couldn't do that. There's no way I could do that. And everybody keeps saying, oh, why don't we have more people? God says, Terry can't handle it. <laughs> we put more people in there, he'll wee-wee on himself or something, and, and then I'll have to explain it. Okay, let me show you this. I'm going to wrap this thing up. Who has appointed in the church? God has appointed. That's what it says, right? Okay, do you understand what that is? the implication is that? If you are the body and individually members of it and God has appointed, then you, what are you going to do to add to that unity? Nothing. And what's killing the church today is we're all trying to go out and be unified. You can't do it. Why? Because you're going to run into somebody who don't believe the way you do and who's going to compromise? You know what? I used to teach this and I used to believe this, but God has shown me I was wrong. Doctrine does not divide. Doctrine unifies. What does the Bible say? There are not multiple interpretations of Scripture. You've got to understand that. Now, you may not be willing to bow to the book. That's you between you and the book. But there are not multiple interpretations of this thing. There are a plethora, I love that word, a plethora of applications But the interpretation is always the same. Always, always, always the same. You never take it out of context. That's why when I read this chapter 13 and everybody says, this is where we're getting married. You're already married to the body of Christ. So the unity is already there. Remember your unity, verse 27. Verse 28, where is the diversity? It is God appointed. God says that there will be apostles. God says there will be prophets. God says there will be teachers. And God says which ones will be which. And then verse 28 says, but God does this sovereignly. I do it my way. Okay, verse 29. What does he say there? Are all apostles? No. Well, okay, I'll go with that. All right, are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. How about workers of miracles? No. Why are we chasing them then? We have whole denominations that says that for you to really be used by God, you've got to speak in a language. I struggle with English. We need to understand it. God has appointed. God has done it. God places and God removes. You know what I've watched in this church? I've been in this church. This is the only church body I've ever been a part of in my entire life. I've never been in another church. Sorry. This has been it. I've never belonged to another church. You know what? I've wandered in a few, a couple of times, but I very seldom, I don't stay. And listen, this is before I was ever a preacher. This is before I was in leadership. The only church that I've ever bonded with, the only church that I've ever been felt a part of, felt and, and knew this is where I'm supposed to be, is Castle Rock Baptist Church. I've never been anywhere else. And what I have watched in the history of this church is that when God removes three, He brings three. When God removes two, He brings two. And it's really weird because I see the blending of the gifts that are removed or the blending of the gifts that are brought in. Why? Whose church is it? It's God's church. He died for her. His precious blood bought her. 
And you know what? Do I get frustrated to see people come and go, uh, what I call spiritual gypsies? Castle Rock is a, is, a, is a spiritual gypsy mecca of the world. Okay, there's not a church. We have 54 evangelical churches in Castle Rock right now, and I guarantee you there are people who have been in this church for time who are in those other fellowships. Guaranteed. Okay, in some cases, we trained them up and sent them there, and they're working fine. Some, they just got mad at me, or probably mad at me. Um, I don't know. Usually, I tend to be the focal point of people's anger. And they go, I'm not going to play there no more. All right, but I watch it. God takes them out one door, and he brings these other ones back in. And I said, that's kind of cool. That's kind of cool. Why? He does it. He appoints And it's only on his perfect timing. That is his sovereignty. It's the perfect provisions you see of God in chapters 12, 28 through 30. He makes it so the local assembly manifests Christ. He does it all. Holy Spirit coming to bear. He bears the unity. He bears the diversity. He shows the sovereignty, the sovereign will of God. When the Holy Spirit is leading that congregation, then there will be harmony. Absolutely. Who knows the mind of God? The Spirit of God. Who knows the will of Jesus Christ? The Spirit of God. Who are you indwelled with? We have too many who want to be ears. We have too many who want to be noses and eyes. Not all our apostles, not all our prophets, not all our teachers. It is all from and it is all to God, is it not? Okay, now then, I want to deal closing. Now, I'm just laying a foundation here on verse 31 because verse 31 is perverted in so many ways that I I can't even begin to tell you. And I'm just going to give it to you for my reasoning, okay? And everybody says, oh my God, he was thinking about it. It's our response. It's our response. If you need to know this, then there's about 92 messages on chapter 12. I don't know how many messages there are. I know some of you say too many. Okay, but you know what? You can't stand before God and say you're ignorant of spiritual gifts. All right. I want to show you this text. This is New American Standard Translation. And and I've looked at King James. I've looked at NIV. I've looked at all of them. Then I thought, you know, I probably ought to go look at this. All right, it is all from God. It is all to God for His glory, for His purpose. Okay, our proper response. But earnestly desire the greater gifts, and I will still show you a more excellent way. Okay? Now listen, there's a misunderstanding about this verse. I guarantee it. And I know where it comes from. It comes from the great honorable King James. Okay? Paul just spent 30 verses... Okay, saying, be content with what God has given you. And now what does he say? Covet earnestly the better gifts. Does that make your head? That made my head twitch. That don't make your head twitch. Okay. I read that and it seems wrong. I'm supposed to be content with where he's given me, what he's done and all of this stuff. And now he says, but seek earnestly the better. But I thought I was supposed to be content. All right. This last verse is in two parts. Okay. The part that I want to spring out of is the second part in the New American Standard Translation. Yet I'm showing you a more excellent way. Okay. You see that? I show you still a more excellent way. 
All right, now if you had just left that phrase in there, it would have fit the context, wouldn't it? Be content with where you're at. Understand God's sovereignty. Understand the unity and diversity that God has already done. The church is exactly what he's doing. His house is going to look no problem. Okay? What church is he writing to? He's writing to a church that has no unity. He has a church that everybody wants to have the same gift, so they don't want any kind of diversity. They are definitely not accepting God's plan. And Paul says, I need to show you a more excellent way. That is chapter 13. Okay, so there has to be a harmony, and that harmony will come out of chapter 13. When love is the primary focus, then it really doesn't matter. It all functions as love. Okay, now this first statement, let me sh- show you something here. Okay, now listen, I'm not going to tell you what to believe in this. I'm just going to tell you here's how the language works, and I want you to look at it. New American Standard Translation for the first part of verse 31 says this, but earnestly desire the greater gifts. That contradicts everything he's given to that point. However you cut it. And it contradicts the second half of the verse. And I'll show you a better, a more excellent way. Okay? <clears throat> the verb here in the original language, the Greek language, can either be indicative or imperative. Oh, I feel better about that, all right. Indicative is a statement of fact. Okay, an impairment, uh, 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 imperative is a command. Okay, um, in the Greek language, this word takes both forms. It can be done as an indicative, it can be done as an imperative. Very same one. It's zelato. Is in Greek, if you're just feeling overwhelmed to know that. That's the verb. Okay? The word that I'm looking at is desire. Earnestly desire. It's translated lust. Covet. Okay? Um, so in the Greek, it's either a command or it's a statement of fact. Okay? Either it says, covet earnestly the better gifts, the best gifts, Or it says, you are coveting the best gifts. Which fits the context. Zalao is always interpreted by its context. The verb normally, throughout New Testament writing, is a bad thing. Okay? Everywhere I looked in the New Testament, it is bad. To covet. The indicative is the norm, and it fits the context, don't you think? Okay? You are coveting the best gifts, and I will show you a more excellent way. Everybody says, no, he's just he's rewriting Scripture. Really? As I, here's the problem that happens. Bless the men... Yeah, here's the problem that happens. We've taken this letter that was not written with chapters or verses. It was a letter. Okay? Chapter 12, 13, and 14 is all one thought. One issue. Okay? But we stop. We have 12, and then we start, I'm in the love chapter now, and then 14, I'm dealing with the gifts. No. It started in 12 where he says, I don't want you to be ignorant of spiritual gifts. 
You are coveting the showy gifts, and I am showing you a more excellent way. If you take that translation, then you plug it in there. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels and I do not have love, I am a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. It all starts flowing. It all starts flowing. You see the point? He's not saying chase it. He's saying that's what you are doing. And was that what the church in Corinth was doing? Well, look at his argument. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Stop. Do the excellent thing. Accept the unity that God has given us in the person of the Holy Spirit, the life force that the Christian exists in. Accept the diversity that each of us is given to a place in the body of Christ for that purpose that God has appointed. Accept the sovereign will of God. He has put you here for this time, for this service right now. And then watch the harmony come out of it because the love overwhelms you. God has already planned it. God has already built it. And the way it all operates is chapter 13. The more excellent way. Stop desiring. Stop coveting greater gifts. Be content with where you are. The excellent way is love. Is love. And that's, that's the flow of it. And I believe that what you'll see in the weeks to come is exactly how that flows through. If I have the gift of administrations and I don't use it in love, what are you? You're a grouch. <laughs> that's what you are. You're one of them Christians with wrinkles on their foreheads. The way it all operates, brothers and sisters, the way the body of Christ operates is love. And that's chapter 13. You have looked at what your gifts are. Now in love, use those gifts. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the resurrection that you have given us, the bride of Christ, the church. Your incarnation to a lost and dying world in this season of freedom from death. Father, help us to draw deeply upon this. Help us to draw in a way that we understand that your love has been poured in our hearts to the person of Jesus Christ. The love that hung on the cross. The love that sent your son to die on our behalf. Father, help us to walk in that love. Father, not a, not a compromise, but Father in love. To your glory, to your praise. In Christ, Christ alone. Amen.